If you're looking for premium deli meats and cheeses, look to Dietz and Watson. Jenna's eating a sandwich right now as we're doing this. Yes, they wanted us to try the product, so I brought my sandwich in today, and it is delicious. I'm having the honey turkey with Swiss cheese. Yum. Very good. I want to tell you guys that we got the Dietz and Watson Italian-style chicken sausage, and Josh used it the other night to make this amazing pasta dish with gnocchi. It is so delicious. I'm so sorry. I'm literally eating right now. I can't (laughs) stop. It's really, really good. Dietz and Watson is on their fourth generation of upholding their philosophy of doing things the right way because that's how they've always done it. That's right. I have to say one more thing. We also got their Fontina cheese, delicious and salami. Oh, is that one good? Yes. This Swiss cheese is so good. (sighs) I love Dietz and Watson, guys. I love them. If you're looking... For premium deli meats and cheeses, look to Dietz and Watson. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at dietzandwatson.com slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. You guys know my dad loves it. They are so convenient, no appointment needed. You can stay in your car while they do all the work, and their friendly expert technicians have over 270 hours of training and will get you in and out fast while performing a thorough, free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. I recently went to Valvoline, and I got my oil changed, and everyone there was so wonderful and nice and really just informative. I feel like I learned a lot about my car. Visit valvoline.com slash office ladies for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the ultimate office rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind the scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hey gang, how's it going? Howdy! It is Weight Loss Part 2. Season 5. Yeah, this is the second part of our Season 5 premiere. It was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupnitsky and directed by Paul Feig. Hit us with a summary. All right. Well, you might remember last week we set up that Dunder Mifflin is doing a company-wide weight loss contest. Mm -hmm. That contest continues. It's really causing some division among the employees. People are getting hangry. They are. Ryan returns to Scranton. He's a temp again. Michael hires him to fill in at reception for Pam, who is off at Pratt. She's, you know, doing art school. Mm -hmm. Now, Michael is very slowly still pursuing Holly. Dwight and Angela are continuing to hook up in the warehouse behind Andy's back. And Jim has an important question for Pam. The question! (laughs) All right. Fast fact number one. Paul Feig directed this episode, and he also had a much larger role overall in season five. Paul was with us for every single episode of season five. He was, and he was amazing He was this great, constant, like, I don't know, Jenna. It was like he was like the man of the ship. He was like guiding us along the way. Having him on set always just made me feel better. I'm with you. I loved it. 
You remember last week we talked about how Greg Daniels was now working on both The Office and he was trying to get Parks and Rec off the ground. Mm-hmm. He had groomed Jen Salata and Paul Lieberstein to run the show. They were overseeing the writing of the show. They were running the writer's room. Well, Paul Feig was brought on as a supervising director and co-executive producer to oversee the on-set production and to oversee all of our directors. Because we had a lot of new directors in season five, including some cast members and crew members and even some of our writers. Mm -hmm. They all directed their first episodes. Paul was also in the writer's room a bit, but mostly he was like the tastemaker, right? He was like one of these original visionaries. What is a tastemaker? I mean, I don't know, but I think a tastemaker is like you set the tastes of... Did you make up that word? No, tastemaker is a real word. Well, maybe if you're like running a winery. But you can be like a tastemaker, like is the same as like um. I think you made it up. Well, I didn't. You can Google it. I can't believe you're getting out your phone right now to Google it. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Tastemaker is a real word. It's like a trendsetter. Yes. Thank you, Sam. It's like a trendsetter. Okay. Tastemaker. Okay. According to the English language learner's definition, a person whose judgment about what is good, fashionable, etc. are accepted and followed by many other people. That's right. He was a tastemaker. He was a tastemaker. <laughs> he was. It was his job to control the quality of the show. If You know, he said yes to jokes and no mm-hmm. to other jokes because of his good taste. I know this is getting us off so early. I really want to know the origin of this word. Like, where did the word tastemaker come from? Was that the person that, like, tried the food for the king? And if he didn't die, okay, fine. We'll all eat what that guy had. I don't know, but I think you should deep dive it for a revisit, Angela. Okay, fine. I do. Okay, Paul Feig was the tastemaker. Well, listen, I talked to Greg Daniels about it, and he said that this was a big push that he had to make with the network. In particular, Jerry DeCanio, the head of production at Universal, because our show had been functioning just fine without someone in this role before. But Greg explained he was often called down to set to discuss the shooting or the motivations with the actors and directors, and he wanted to make sure that that would still be covered while he was gone. And they eventually agreed. And I traded some messages with Paul Feig about this, too. Mm. And he even sent in an audio clip. Oh, Paul Feig, all the way from London. Yep. It was such a fun year because, you know, to be around you guys and the cast every day and to be in that writer's room with that amazing group of writers was just such a, a special opportunity. Yeah, I got to direct a lot of episodes that season, but also it was just fun to kind of be with all of these um, other people who were starting to direct and seeing how, how great they were doing. It was so fun to be with Steve when he directed his first episode and Brent Forrester did a great job and Dave Rogers. We had so much fun. Uh, and so that was kind of my experience of the fifth season was being around everybody so much, but also just kind of getting to see the show through a lot of fresh eyes of these new directors or people coming on and doing it for the first time. Well, I want to say that Paul also directed five episodes himself this season. Mm. And when we were trading messages, Angela, he said he loved his time on season five so much that he wanted to send us audio clips for every single episode of season five. Get out! With Paulapedia, his memories. Paulapedia! 
I was like, Paul, you're busy. You're directing a movie right now in London. I mean, you don't have to do that. And he said, well, I'll do as many as I can. So guys, get ready. Get ready for, should it be Figopedia or Paulopedia? Paul Figopedia? Paul Figopedia! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fast fact number two is an art school location breakdown. We didn't do this last week. We're going to see more of art school this week, so I thought it was appropriate. Okay. Fan question from Yvette and Rachel. Where were the New York City art school scenes shot? I will tell you. Mm-hmm. Everything was shot at USC, the University of Southern California. The classrooms were empty classrooms on campus that our set decorators dressed. Even the dorm room was mm-hmm. a USC dorm room. The hallways, when Jim's watching TV in the common room, we were basically all on campus. The only thing we didn't shoot on campus, and we talked about this last week, was when Jim and Pam are video chatting. They recreated my dorm room on that warehouse set of Dunder Mifflin. Well, I have one other thing to share about the USC campus, but I am going to save it when it comes up in the episode. Well, all right. Mm-hmm. I have one fun thing to share about the real Pratt, which is in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That's where Pam's meant to be. We got a letter from Mila S., who is a student at Pratt, and she said this. There is a communal cat population living on campus called Pratt Cats. They have their own little houses, and they wander the lecture halls and the campus freely. If you're ever in New York after COVID, I highly recommend you visit the campus, along with its sculptures and cats roaming the grounds. Angela, the cats even have their own Instagram page, and it's called Pratt Cats. Pratt Cats? That's so cute. Two T's for Pratt and two T's for cats. Pratt Cats. Pratt Cats. I looked at it. It's just a lot of super cute pictures of cats. I want to see it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many cats. I think we should put this on our list. (laughs) We should. All right, fast fact number three. We've got a big guest star alert. It's Rich Summer as Pam's art school friend, Alex. Yes, and we are friends with Rich. We're like really good friends with Rich. He needs to come on. Well, he's refused. No, he has not. (laughs) kidding. (laughs) We are going to have him on. You guys, Rich is probably most well-known for his role as Harry Crane on Mad Men, but he's also acted in such shows as Wet Hot American Summer, the TV series, as well as many movies with office connections. Oh, yeah. He was in The Devil Wears Prada starring Emily Blunt. He was in Celeste and Jesse Forever, starring Rashida Jones. And he was in The Giant Mechanical Man, starring me. Yay! (laughs) He is also supposedly real-life friends with Nicholas D'Agosto, a.k.a. Hunter. We're going to have to ask him about that when he comes on the show. Oh, yeah. We have lots to ask him. We do. Jenna, as you remember from last week, there is a fantastic DVD commentary for weight loss. It's an all-crew DVD commentary. I have more to share from that in this week's Weight Loss Part 2, as well as I reached out to Joya Balfour. Do you guys remember Joya? She has contributed information on the podcast before. She worked on the digital team at NBC.com, and she has some fun Andy Angela wedding stuff that she shared with me, as well as one little surprise, but we'll get to it. I love it. Should we take a break and then we'll be back? Yeah. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because 
You can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One of my most favorite things about doing this podcast is when we get to partner with a new advertiser and they send us their products. And this one in particular got me excited, Angela. We got a whole box of seventh generation products. I was so excited. Josh was so excited. Seventh generation wants you to know that human nature is messy, but nature nature can help us embrace it. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with the power of bioenzymes. Yeah, and really good smelling bioenzymes, everyone. Yeah, that's the power of seventh generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh, no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe home security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report. And Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space. You know, I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We are back and a friendly Ryan has returned to Dunder Mifflin Scranton. There is a deleted scene, Jenna, that the camera catches Ryan being dropped off to work by his mother. She's driving a station wagon. She pulls up. He hops out with a little sack lunch. And he starts to go in the building and she rolls down the window and honks her horn and he runs back and gives her a kiss on the cheek and then he runs in the building. Wow. If this tells you where Ryan is at at life, he's back living at home and his mom is driving him to work. Wow. He's also grown a goatee. Mm-hmm. And this now explains why Michael has had a goatee because he says, Michael, did you grow that goatee? After you saw mine when you helped me move. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Remember, these goatees are not real. Hair and makeup put them on. I thought they did a fantastic job. And Michael has a talking head that explains that he hired Ryan off the temp agency. Yeah. He said Ronnie was very blech. And he told the temp agency, I don't care what it costs me. I have to have him. I have to have Ryan Howard. People don't know how to react to Ryan being back. Kevin is excited. Runs over, gives him a noogie, which starts a great runner. And Jenna, there was more in the deleted scenes 
of Ryan having these talking heads where he's putting everyone who's wronged him on his list. Yeah. He explains that he's making a list so that when he is back up on the top, he can get his revenge. Yeah. And Kevin just made the list. Also, who makes the list is David Wallace. In a deleted scene, David Wallace calls, Ryan answers, and David flips out, starts berating Ryan. You can hear it, you know, through the phone. Yeah. So much so that Ryan cries. And Michael vouches for Ryan, and David Wallace does not want him there, but agrees. And so now David Wallace has made the list. And Jenna... I couldn't help myself. You know what this made me think of? What? Game of Thrones. Oh, somebody has a list? I didn't get that far. Arya Stark has a kill list for everyone who's wronged her. Can we take a minute, everybody, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones and you don't want spoilers? Just, I don't know, fast forward 30 seconds. Angela, what? I started Game of Thrones. I never finished it. I'm never going to finish it. Really? Will you just tell me, does Arya ever kill? She f- kills everybody. She does. She kills everybody and she kills the biggest baddie. And I don't want to ruin it in case someone didn't fast forward, but she kind of saves the whole world. I'll just say that. That is kind of a spoiler. That was the only thing that was kind of keeping me there Mm -hmm. was that I saw the potential Mm -hmm. in her character. Mm -hmm. No, she follows through. Well, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Continuing Ryan's list, Ryan apologizes to Jim, Mm -hmm. right? Jim shakes his hand. And now are you ready for some Jim sass? Oh, it's so good, though. Ready? Ryan says, Jim, I want to apologize for how I treated you last year. He goes on to explain all the things he feels sorry for. And he said, you know, he's even started volunteering. He's giving back to the community. And Jim goes, well, that's great. You're talking about your court-ordered community service. And Ryan says, I don't need a judge to tell me to keep my community clean. And then Jim goes, but he did, right? And Ryan goes, all right. And Jim goes, all right. So much Jim sass. And then there's just a silent Ryan talking head mm-hmm. where he's staring down the lens of the camera and he's clearly writing Jim Halpert in his list. Yeah. Which I loved. It's time for another weigh-in on the giant scale that was custom-made for our show we learned last week. There is a zero-pound weight loss. People are really starting to melt down. Mm-hmm. 22 minutes, 59 seconds. Did anyone catch that Meredith's face is back to normal? Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, no more sunburn on Meredith. I'll tell you, we had Aaron M. write in and say, during that moment of the weigh-in, Michael does this bird-like flapping move. Yes, I When he's it. frustrated. <laughs> and she says, it's literally my favorite moment in the whole show. She wants to know if Steve improvised that. Yes, that was not scripted. That was Steve's take on his character's frustration. I loved it so much. At 23 minutes, 21 seconds, Andy has a talking head. He says... This is the hardest thing he's ever had to do. And, you know, he hasn't had a very hard life. Ding, ding, ding. This was a digitally corrected shirt and tie. Once again, we talked about this in the episode previously, Weight Loss 1, that the writers wanted to move around some of Andy's talking heads. And to match his outfits for continuity, they had to go in and post-production, change the color of his tie and his shirt. I mean, it just blows my mind still. I know. Some other things that happen in the scene are that Holly tells Oscar that her date went well with Mm -hmm. his yoga instructor, and Michael overhears, and then he blames Jim. 
because he thinks Jim's bad advice has landed him in the friend zone with Holly. Mm-hmm. And then we move upstairs. Yeah. Dwight is really mad. He doesn't think everyone's taking this seriously. He randomly selects Stanley, Phyllis, and Kevin and tells them to get liposuction on their own dime. Yeah, they have to pay for it. Yeah. And meanwhile, Ryan goes to apologize to Kelly. And now we have some Kelly sass. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's I so mean, good. Ryan, I, come on. I wish you could have stuck to it. I know. It's so good. He's like, hey, should we, you know, grab a drink later, catch up? And then he says, pick me up at eight, right? He's trying to do his old shenanigans with her. And she goes, that is so sweet. But I'm dating Daryl still, and we're like crazy in love, so... And he goes, oh, cool. Well, maybe I'll see you around. And Kelly goes, it's a small office. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice on her desk? What? She had her little nameplate from the first Christmas party. Yes, I did see that with the flower. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so cute. I did, too. Dwight's going to apologize to Phyllis for telling her she should get liposuction on her own dime. He says, I'm going to make it up to you. I have a sale. But it requires two people. Mm -hmm. Will you go with me? Big sale. Oh, yeah. It's a sure thing. Yeah. I'll give you 40%. I'll split it with you 60-40. He says he'll drive. She's like, all right. And then, of course, Kelly needs to have this really odd forced makeout session with Daryl in front of Ryan Mm -hmm. on purpose. But I want you to know, Jenna, at 26 minutes, 12 seconds, you get a really good shot of Ryan's, like his phone Earpiece, headset thingy? Yeah. Yeah? hmm According to Randy Cordray, our line producer, there was a lengthy discussion about which ear headset Ryan should use. He said Phil Shea, like, brought over a tray. He said it looked like 12 to 20. <laughs> like, that sounds right. Right? Different versions for them to pick out. That sounds about right. Yeah. They picked a real douchey one. So good job, guys. <laughs> Let's go to the break room. Jim is having lunch with Michael and Holly. Two things here. Mm -hmm. Continuity catch. I don't know if you noticed, but Michael suddenly does not have a goatee. Oh, yes. They were having issues keeping track. And also, there are a lot of fruit flies in the vending machine. Well, lady, I think it's time for a fruit fly breakdown. Oh, please. Angela, we got a lot of mail about the fruit flies. Hit me with your questions, because I have some answers. People wanted to know if they were real, were they CGI? I remember Gene Stupnitsky told me they were real, and they even had a fruit fly wrangler. They were real. Let me tell you everything I learned about them in the DVD commentary. First of all, this whole bit cost thousands of dollars. (laughs) All right? These fruit flies were from the Florida Fruit Fly Growers. And they were bred specifically for this episode. These type of fruit flies are a sterile type of fruit fly, and they are bred for Florida citrus farms. According to Kelly Cantley, they have a very specific breeding cycle, so they had to schedule the fruit flies to be released on a specific day. And Randy, Randy said we had fruit flies for weeks. I remember them. I do, too. We'd go in the break room, and there would still be a few buzzing around. Yeah, I guess even though they couldn't mate, Mm -hmm. a lot of them, they really lived beyond their life cycle. Yeah. In addition to these fruit flies breeding schedule that we had to plan around, Mm -hmm. Jenna, Phil Shea had to time out rotting fruit over the course of eight weeks. Oh, my gosh. This fruit had to go through stages of rotting. 
he had a table set up on our soundstage full of fruit and different stages of rotting for this scene. Lady, I was just about to say that. As you said that, a memory came flooding back into my head of this giant long table where he had created little squares out of tape. Yeah. And each square had a different piece of fruit in it in different stages of rot. Yes. All for this one gag. That is, like, on camera for, like, two seconds. I know. Again, like, some little throwaway line in the script created all of this production. Mm -hmm. Florida fruit fly growers, rotted fruit, fruit fly wranglers. Incredible. Shifting gears here, over at Pratt, Pam is in the hallway between classes. She's palling around with her new school friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Alex, played by Rich Summer, is making some jokes. Mm-hmm. Jim calls. Pam says, I'm going to call you back because I made some friends. Okay. They were trying to make everybody mad. They were trying to make people feel like this art school thing might drive a wedge between Jim and Pam. Now, see, I wasn't worried yet. As I rewatch it, I'm not worried yet. I'm happy that she's making friends. I am, too. I do want to say, Pam, what the F with your earrings. This is sassy college Pam. She's got her updo ponytail. Did you look at the earrings, though? They're like these purple roses. I mean, has this woman never dressed casually? I don't know. I feel like I'm celebrating Pam in this moment. You're really judging her whole outfit. I guess, you know, you don't have to be too worried about Pam attracting other men with those earrings on. Oh, stop. I don't know. She looked cute. I have to take us back to the bullpen because at 27 minutes, 13 seconds, one of the best scenes of this episode is Phyllis storming in. She is ticked off. Gene Stepnitsky said this is his favorite scene of the episode. I loved it so much. I mean, Dwight drives Phyllis to an abandoned warehouse five miles away and kicks her out of the car. Yeah, he took her money and her phone. And so she had to walk back. And Dwight says, I bet you burned about a 1,000 calories. Phyllis is not having it. I think pissed off Phyllis is my favorite Phyllis. It's such a hard call because pissed off Phyllis is so great. But I do also love like emotionally wounded Phyllis. Like the whole thing that went down with Sue Grafton. Oh, gosh, yes. At the Steamtown Mall. Sue Grafton, that was so good, too. (laughs) Week six of the weigh-in. There is no weigh-in this week. Holly instead reads an official statement from corporate. They're just concerned. You know, this was supposed to be about health and wellness, and they need to make sure that everyone knows the point of this, like, health kick. In case the memo wasn't enough, Michael's going to try to help explain it. Oh, yeah. Michael wants to bring it on home with one of his characters. This is how you get people's attention, remember? As a little kid, Hoot the Owl came to his elementary school. If you want to get through to someone, you dress up as a character. So enter Michael Klump. Yep. We had a fan question, Angela, from Grayene L. When Michael says he's wearing his sumo suit from Beach Games, was Steve actually wearing his sumo suit underneath his clothes? No. So here's the deal. Alicia, our wardrobe designer, was actually part of the DVD commentary And she said they weren't able to use the sumo suit. Mm. They had to buy a special type of suit that went under the sports jacket and pants. And Steve actually had to have two pretty thorough fittings for this whole thing to happen. Wow. 
I bet Steve got hot. I wonder if they used his air-conditioned vest that you told us about last week. His cooling vest. Yeah. Probably. Well, Michael is leading this whole meeting where he wants to celebrate people's body image, no matter what you look like. And during this meeting, he looks over and he notices that Ryan has shaved his goatee. Yeah. And he's like, Ryan, did you shave your goatee? And Ryan's like, yeah, I did. Well, now all the goatees are going to come off. Well, yeah. You know, Michael is trying to get everyone to celebrate how their bodies are different but beautiful. And Michael kneels down to talk to Kelly. You guys, 31 minutes, 21 seconds. Mindy is doing her classic covering her mouth so you can't see her starting to break. I noticed it, too. I noticed it right away. Michael makes Kelly stand up. He wants everyone to look at her and tell her how great she looks. Ryan says she's perfect. Meredith likes her fingernails. Phyllis likes her dress. And Creed says she has a hell of an ass. Yeah. And Kelly's like, what else? (laughs) I wasn't there. I was at art school. Yeah. It was such a bummer. There were a lot of things that I missed. Mm -hmm. These were the classic conference room scenes when you guys would be stuck in there for a whole day, maybe two. Oh, yes. We got pretty punchy in there. But one of my favorite talking heads is Phyllis saying she wonders what people would like about her. Probably her jugs. Mm, Maybe so. Speaking of art school, Pam's in class, <gasps> and Alex is making her giggle. Flirty flirt. They even get in trouble. Well, I have a little fun fact. If you listen closely, you can hear her art school professor saying this. Some blame it on the new air conditioning system. This is what he's talking about. There are these paintings in France called the Lascaux paintings, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. They are ancient cave paintings. And they have just faced incredible disturbance since their discovery because they have tourists come through, like upwards of like 1,200 tourists a day. They put in air conditioning in this cave. They put in lighting systems to make viewing these paintings more enjoyable. But as a result, lichens, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but whatever lichens are, right, and crystals, they start to appear on the walls in the late 1950s. And they had to close down these caves to preserve what was left of the sacred paintings. So when he says some blame it on the new air conditioning system, he's talking about these cave paintings in France. Well, that was a lot of good information. I just think it's really cool that our writers, Mm -hmm. someone is very, very smart Mm -hmm. on our writing staff. Yeah. Was it Gene? Was it Lee? Was it someone else? I don't know. Maybe it was Paul Lieberstein because we know he's quite the world traveler. Mm Mm-hmm and likes art. Someone did a little digging and planted a little seed there. Yeah. Well, this scene in juxtaposition to Jim's talking head got people fired up because here's Pam laughing in art class with Alex. And then there's a Jim talking head. He says, summer's going great. Just listen to Michael Klump for two hours. Convinced I have an ulcer. And my girlfriend lives in New York and I haven't seen her in 10 days. Hmm. So people were not happy with Pam. When this episode aired, I remember. I have a lot to say. Oh, no. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I just want to say that when Pam went to art school for only three months, when she was not yet married and didn't have children, people came down real hard on her because of Jim's feelings. Then when Jim invested in a business without telling Pam and left his family and left Pam alone to care for their two children while he chased his dreams, 
people came down on Pam, again, for not being supportive enough of Jim. So in both of these instances, I just want to say I noticed a lot of hate for Pam. Do I want to call it sexist? I do. (laughs) I do. Oh, my gosh. I just want to say that Pam faced a lot of scrutiny as a character, I think because she was a woman, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that river runs deep. It runs deep, and it's going to run long into some future seasons. Okay. Should we take a break? We should, because when we come back, we're going to have a weather breakdown. A weather breakdown? I can't wait. (laughs) I'm loving Hungry Root. Oh my gosh, yes, Jenna, we're loving Hungry Root, too. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, kids' snacks and meals, and vitamins and supplements. Well, I took the quiz over on Hungry Root, and oh my gosh, they nailed it. One of the things that I really wanted was I wanted a salmon dish that was quick and easy. I said I wanted to cook food in less than 12 minutes. I was very ambitious. This was one of the choices, and they sent me a miso salmon that, oh my goodness, it blew my mind. And it was easy. It was maybe five ingredients. So tasty, so fresh. I loved it. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Office Ladies listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Your home is your creative canvas. It can be an expression of your unique style, and only Wayfair has everything you need to bring that vision to life. All right, we just got my daughter the cutest cozy swivel chair, and it's like fuzzy, and it sits in the corner of her bedroom, and I love it. Well, Wayfair makes it easy with fast and free shipping, even on big stuff like your fluffy chair, Ange. They'll even help you set it up. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com, Wayfair, every style, every home. Well, we are back and it is pouring rain. There is a black screen with the words week seven, August 11th, and you can just hear the rain. Now it's time for the weigh-in. Everyone's in the warehouse. The huge warehouse door is open, and it's just coming down. Mm, I wonder why it needed to rain. I wonder why we needed to establish a big rainstorm, huh? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in a little bit. Well, this was fake rain. And yes, this was thought out. They wanted to establish this big rainstorm outside of the windows of our set in the bullpen where normally there would be the big backdrops, right, Jenna? Yep. They brought in those rain panels that you told us about. Oh, because we had an episode where Michael couldn't get the top up on his convertible, Mm -hmm. and then it rained inside the car. That's right. So they brought back in those big window panes that they were able to sort of recycle water through so it looked like raining. And you're going to see it in the backdrop of several scenes that just help keep reinforcing that it is a rainy day out. Hmm. The one thing I will tell you is that sometimes with this rain, like outside the warehouse, they would have to adjust that for the sound department and editing. But they said it sounded real, so the sound department didn't have to edit out the fake rain. Huh. Yeah. 
there you go. Also, if you're keeping track, remember Kelly Cantley in last week's episode gave us a list of things to keep track of. We are now two guys, no goatee, one guy goatee. Michael and Ryan, no goatee, Dwight with a goatee. That's right. They're also having their week seven weigh-in. And this is when Holly says she hasn't heard from her yoga teacher date in like three days. Yeah. She had even bought tickets to the Counting Crows for that night. And she doesn't know, like, is he going to show? Is he going to call? Yeah. Hmm. And Daryl announces that they've lost four pounds. Four pounds. Meanwhile, back in the bullpen, Jim and Pam, they're chatting on IM. They're trying to figure out when can they see each other. Jim yeah. has a conflict with his nephew's ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know. Jim says, why don't you meet me for lunch? Yeah, kind of spontaneous. We'll meet, meet in the middle. Yeah, meet halfway. Let's meet at the rest stop. That's halfway between New York and Scranton. When this whole time, Dwight thinks Jim is talking about him, mm-hmm. right, that he's up to something. And Pam IMs Jim and says, oh, by the way, finish my summer project. Mm. And Jim clicks on it, and guess what's there? A picture of Dwight. It is an ASCII portrait, mm-hmm. which stands for American Standard Code for Information Interchange, which is a character encoding standard for electronic communication. ASCII codes represent text and computers, telecommunication equipment, and other devices. Well, guess who has a copy of it? Who? Joya. And she sent it to me. Oh, my gosh. So I have Pam's ASCII portrait of Dwight. I'll put it in our stories. I love that. Well, I like it because it shows that Pam is learning things in school. Mm-hmm. She's not just flirting. <laughs> no, she's not, everyone. And she's wearing, taking it seriously. She's putting on her purple flower earrings and marching her ponytail into class. Holly goes in to talk to Michael, and she wants him to know that... They have lost to Utica by only eight pounds. Mm -hmm. And Michael's like, wait a second. We have to the end of the day. Maybe if they really go for it, they crank up the heat. They're going to wear trash bags. Maybe they can get there. Well, Andy's into it immediately. He puts on his trash bags. He says he does not lose competitions. He wins them or he quits because they're unfair. Mm -hmm. Kelly is not participating. She's having some pizza. (laughs) (laughs) The wedding planning has not stopped between Andy and Angela. Angela says, hey, she asks very nicely, by the way, if the first dance can be to Little Drummer Boy, her favorite song. Andy's like, yeah, he's already booked his acapella group. Oh, yeah. It's even better than can their last song be to Little Drummer Boy. His acapella group is going to sing it for you. Yeah. Here comes Trouble Class of 96. And he's like, sweetheart, you're going to love these guys. Carl 1, Carl 2, Broccoli Rob, Spare Rib, Doobie, Lunchbox, Boner Champ, that's me, Puby Lewis and the News, Hopscotch, Jingle Jangle, and Sandwich. Yeah. And they're collectively going to be his best man. Yeah. Guess who's paging Dwight? Oh, yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, Angela, NBC built a website for Andy and Angela's wedding. Do you remember that? It's not live anymore, but do you remember that? I do, and I asked Joya about it. She sent me the homepage photo of Angela and Andy's wedding website, complete with their wedding gift registry and the audition video that Andy put together of Here Comes Trouble to be their wedding band. Wow. I have all of it. I'll put it in stories. I have all of it. And... I want to read to you, though, 
the items on the registry, please. So Joya said the joke was that Andy would list something and then Angela would list something in stark opposition to what Andy had listed. Okay. So see if you can guess who put what on the registry. The singing machine ISM 370 karaoke with iPod dock. Noise canceling headphones. (laughs) Twilight thick non see-through shower curtain. Deadbolt bathroom door lock. Modesty changing screen. His and hers kitty cat PJs, kids small and men size large. Kitty cat Shay's lounge. Three Cornell Big Red Ultimate Outdoor Rugs. Marie Osmond Inspiration Bench. Decorative wall hat and Getty's calendar. Wow. (laughs) That's what was on the registry on the NBC.com wedding site. It's time. It's time. Jim and Pam, they're going to meet up at the rest stop. In the pouring rain, we have a lot to share about it. Jenna, you were there. I was not. I have some fantastic DVD commentary stuff to share with you from our crew, but you should take it away. Well, this is the proposal scene. Yes. Jim gets down on one knee and he proposes to Pam. She's totally shocked. They're at a gas station. You know, he was supposed to wait till she got back from art school, but he says he couldn't wait. She's completely thrown. Yeah. You can really tell she had no idea. In fact, the beginning of the scene, she's like, hey, this is not halfway. I drove further. <laughs> like she's, her head is so not in that place. Yeah. But she says yes, and they kiss. So first of all, I just want you guys to know that Greg spoke with us about this. He said that he really wanted Jim's proposal to Pam to be in the season premiere. He thought, number one, that would be unexpected. You usually end seasons with proposals. Right. So he thought this would be a real shock. And it was. Jenna, I even remember at the table read, you know, we had so much going on with this weight loss story Mm -hmm. and Pam at art school. I didn't see it coming. No. And we'd been teasing it all last season. He said he also wanted to throw people off by having it in a very ordinary location. So he wanted to feel special, but he also wanted it to feel like Jim made the decision without a whole lot of planning. Mm -hmm. So Greg thought that the ideal location for this scene would be a gas station Mm -hmm. along the freeway between Scranton and New York in the rain. And they based the rest stop on one that Greg Daniels had traveled to as a kid along the Merritt Parkway. We did not actually fly to this location. This is the insane part. They built this in the parking lot of a Best Buy that I have been to many times, actually. What they did was they used Google Street View to capture images of a real gas station along the Merritt Parkway. And then using those images, they built it to match in this parking lot. It took them about nine days to build it. To create the illusion of highway traffic, they built a four-lane circular racetrack around the gas station set. They set up cameras on the other side of this raceway, and they had cars drive around it at 55 miles an hour. Then they added rain pouring down on us, these giant rain machines. Our production manager, Randy Cordray, said they had about 35 precision drivers. They were driving not just cars, but like Mm semi-trucks. When we were standing there on that set, you could feel the wind, like, of these cars speeding past you. It was 
So, so bonkers. But after we shot the scene, they had to hire a special effects company to paint out the background because the background were these California mountains. Mm -hmm. And so they had to paint out the mountains and put in some trees, like East Coast-looking trees. In the end, this was the single most expensive scene ever shot during the entire run of the show. It lasts 52 seconds, and it costs $250,000. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Yeah. So a quarter of a million dollars for less than one minute of screen time. Oh, my gosh. Well, listen, they talked in depth, our crew, about this moment in the DVD commentary. Several, obviously, very similar things as what you just shared. So after months and months of scouting and meetings, it was our location manager, Kyle Alexander, who found this enormous paved parking lot. I guess it was off Los Feliz Boulevard. Yep. Acres and acres of paved ground, which is what they needed (laughs) if they were going to build a racetrack, basically, right? Yeah. So these cars could loop around. Now, according to Randy Cordray, the reason why it was such a massive, massive, massive parking lot is because it was a paved over toxic waste site. What? (laughs) Yes. Apparently, years and years and years ago, there was an old like ceramics plant or something that had buried lead paint waste into the ground. So they had to seal it and cover it. So Angela, I just want to make sure that we acknowledge that the information you've just given us Mm -hmm. means that Jim and Pam, Uh our beloved jam, Uh got engaged Uh at a former toxic waste dump. Fluorescent jam. (laughs) I mean, yikesy. Well, this is what they shared in the DVD commentary. It was a long time ago. They sealed it up. It's a giant parking lot. Apparently, there's a Best Buy there now. Michael Gallenberg shares on the DVD commentary one of his favorite things that he built of this whole set was the drinks behind the glass doors. It's, in fact, one humongous giant photo. It was an inkjet print on foam core paper. Hmm. It looks amazing. And there's a great shot at 38 minutes, 32 seconds, right behind Jim and Pam. I would have never known that those drinks were a photo. Yeah. It was an incredible set. Yeah. Really just kudos to our set design team and our construction guys. They just crushed it. It was incredible. The one other debate about this scene, which I'm sure you know, was whether to have sound or no sound. This was a huge, huge debate. Greg could not make up his mind. They had two versions ready to go, one with sound during the proposal and one without. And literally, I mean, Jake shared on the DVD commentary, Jake Oust, that up until the day of airing, it was the air date, Greg was still trying to decide. It's so funny because I vaguely remember that, but we spoke dialogue every time. Yeah. So the debate was just simply whether Jim and Pam were still wearing their microphones and you could hear our dialogue or Jim and Pam weren't wearing their microphones and you couldn't. So we said dialogue every time. It wasn't like there were two different scenes that were written with or without dialogue. It was just whether or not you could hear it. Yeah. I don't think John and I knew about this big debate because we were just saying our lines every time. Yeah. I liked being able to hear it. I think it was important that you heard it. Yeah. 
I have a few more things to share that hopefully won't shatter your memories of this moment. Like you said, the trees were digitally put back in, right? They are East Coast trees. They were put in digitally by Stargate. And here was the other thing that was a big, big question mark about how they do this was the rain. How do they do the rain? And they really considered doing it digitally, adding it in post-production. But Paul Feig was very, very against it. He wanted the rain to feel as real as possible. And we could feel the rain. I mean, there were, you know, it was, I don't know if it was just the wind from the cars. I don't remember there being wind machines, but I do remember the rain hitting us. And I mean, even though it was a former toxic waste dump and even though (laughs) it was a Best Buy parking lot. Yeah, just like it was actually to be there really romantic you know, it was funny. The gas station, it was just a front. If you yeah. went in, it was a like a fakey fake. You go through the door and then you're just like looking at trees. It didn't have a back or anything. Yeah. But it felt magical. It did. And it was so much fun to shoot that scene. I mean, I feel like we got it on the first take and maybe we did a few. But my memory is that we weren't there long, that we got it pretty early. And it was a cool moment. It's a really magical moment. Well, when the gang is ready to weigh in again, Jim is late, and then he shows up soaking wet. And so happy. So happy. I was a little sad that they didn't get to spend the whole evening together after getting engaged. I guess Pam just had to drive back to school. I know. But Jim is so happy. Holly decides that this yoga guy is never going to call her. And Michael says, you know what? I'll buy the Counting Crows tickets from you. And she's like, really? Everybody thinks this is like going to lead to Michael offering to go with her. I thought they were going to have a date. No. Michael rips up the tickets. Like gallantly. Like he's saving the day. Mm -hmm. And she's confused. We got some mail from Emily G. Okay. Here's what she said. Having worked at several concert venues, I wanted to let you know that if you lose or damage your concert tickets, you can go to a venue's box office with your photo ID and someone will reprint them for you. Oh. She said, I hope Holly knew that was an option. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. It didn't seem like Holly knew. No, I didn't know. Well, now we all know. Now we all know. Thank Thank you, Emily. Yeah. In the end, Dunder Mifflin did not win the weight loss competition. Stanley lost seven pounds. Yeah. He says he's going to take off five days anyway. Yeah. And now it's week eight. Toby is on his fifth week in a hospital room in Costa Rica. Oh, poor Toby, guys. Remember, Toby had his weird moment with Pam, so he moved to Costa Rica. And on like his first day, or day, was it like day Day three? Day three. Day three, he went ziplining. And he broke his neck. Yeah. He hasn't even been to the beach. Did you notice what was playing on the TV in the hospital room? Yes, I did. It is the Hug It Out Bitch episode of Entourage. That is the episode of Entourage that Michael quotes in the coup. Well, I have a little location breakdown for you about Toby's hospital room. Give it to me. It was also filmed at USC. Oh! Yeah, while they were there filming Pam's art school... They used the USC Television Stage Building, and USC asked if eight of their film students could intern and help that day. They had interns in all of the different departments, and our crew said they did a phenomenal job. That is so cool. hmm Before we go, I just want to give a shout-out to whoever the guy is in the bed next to Toby. 
He was a background performer. Angela, I tried so hard to figure out who this is because he is so funny. He just (laughs) stares into the camera the whole time Toby is talking. It is so good. I watched it three times. I was like, how is this guy doing such a great job with no words? I was so impressed. We couldn't figure out who he was. We reached out to several people. Yes. And I checked everywhere you can check. He is uncredited in the episode. Phenomenal job. Way to crush it. That was Weight Loss Part 2. There's so many folks to thank for helping us get this episode out to you. First of all, our crew that participated in the DVD commentary, Randy Cordray, Michael Gallenberg, Brian Whittle, Nick Carbone, Ben Patrick, Alicia Raycraft, Kelly Cantley, and Jake Oust. Amazing. Best commentary. Really such a good listen if you love behind-the-scenes information. And James O'Carey for letting us bug you with questions. Yeah, we did. We did bug him. We did. Enjoy a Balfour. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to share all of that NBC.com website <laughs> stuff about Angela and Andy. And then Greg Daniels. Yes. Thank you. And also Paul Feig for that audio clip. I promise not to bother you too much, Paul Feig. Well, we probably will. <laughs> I know. Why am I making that promise? But we appreciate our cast and crew so much. We hope you enjoyed this one. And we are kicking off Season 5. We'll be back for more next week. We sure will. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.